Thomas, you hear me, buddy? I can hear you. Sweet. All right, guys. Welcome to CTG Nation podcast, episode 43. This is going to be a part two review of the uh, South Carolina SWAT comp that we had up at the sawmill. I got uh, Thomas on board to do it. If you all don't know, which everybody should know, founder, owner of Valkyrie Tactical Solutions, the brainchild of the SWAT comp, or to bring a SWAT comp back to South Carolina. Um, so, first, I guess, what do you think of uh, what do you think of my review? <laughs> no, no, your review is good. I enjoyed it. Uh, it, was, it was honest. It was, uh, yeah, cut, cut and dry on what 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 went wrong, what could have been better, uh, the outcome. So uh, it was good. I had a couple of our sponsors listen to it who couldn't join, mm-hmm. and uh, I think it hit the nail on the head where. It was the first competition we did. There was a lot of room for improvement. We took notes. Uh, next year is going to be bigger and better. But overall, it was fantastic. Good. So um, one thing as we go along, I mean, like we talked about it offline, just with like filling in the gaps because there was some stuff that, you know, part of the planning process I wasn't involved in. Some of the stages I had zero involvement in. Right. Um, so kind of, but just to from the very, very start, uh, where did the idea to get a competition going in South Carolina again? Where did that even come from? I remember us talking about it, man, the very, very first class, oh, yeah. of, which was, uh, you know, almost two years ago now. So the uh, the biggest thing is, you know, competition breeds improvement. And coming from, uh, yeah, I, I talk about it every time with you, but 82nd Airborne Division. Mm-hmm. The, uh, we, we were big on doing best squad competitions. Yep. So uh, in, in my office still sits the uh, the All-American Week Best Squad Competition Trophy first place, and that was bragging rights. Hey, we had the best squad in the 82nd Airborne Division. That's a big deal. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, you want, you want to push your crew, you, you know, that pride and ownership of, hey, I have the best team, I have the best crew. And when you do that, you, you everything you do should live that team life. So when, when you're driving, when you're training, uh, how you eat, how you work out, everything should focus around your team life and how you build each other up. So – when you actually have a competition that proves that you're the best, that's what it's all about. Everybody can sit around and say, hey, we're the best, slap each other on the ass after uh, after training and be like, bro, we rock. But until you truly go up against other people and that tests your caliber, that tests your TTPs, that sees your operational readiness, you know, what are you truly ready? And uh, that's that's what competition's about. It should be should be friendly competition. It should be an environment where it's where you learn from it. It's a uh, good training, you deploy. It builds your camaraderie. Um, there's a lot that goes into it. It's not just a competition. Um, this is a unique opportunity for crews to deploy and bond and have those two days away from command where they do what they do. I mean, that's what they train to do. So it's everything that you should be doing as a SWAT team. Yeah. Um, and then no- noticing that there was nothing like that in South Carolina. So we, we were lacking in the uh, in the competition aspect. So across South Carolina has some amazing agencies and uh, some great SWAT teams, but there wasn't anything like a SWAT challenge. There was the uh, SWAT summit that the FBI hosts at uh, Fort Jackson, but that's more of a uh, kind of just a, just a workshop. And you hit it on the head where the highlight was HRT coming in, doing some cool stuff, but mm-hmm. there needed to be a two days where it flows, where you have those seven distinct events that SWAT team should be doing. Um, so it was making that, uh, putting it on paper, we had a lot of people uh, help us. So, you know, it takes a village to make this thing run, and uh, it it took a lot of people. So, uh, yeah. we we figured out what we need to do to make next year bigger and better. 
Um, I've learned a lot, honestly, being my first competition. The uh, well, so you said it being your first one, so I kind of put these kind of together on the, our little outline because I think at the they kind of go together. So how did we come about, uh, or how did you go about like setting up a venue, uh, looking at certain logistics that you you know wanted to do or not do? Because some of these competitions they'll have sometimes they'll be able to supply food or you know they have housing you know on the facility not all places have that but sawmill is kind of the i mean just like the competition was sawmill was kind of a brainchild of a lot of for a lot of time uh, a lot of people don't know that but um so i remember when it was basically like just a horse farm that happened to have a 1400 yeah. inch on it and now it's a legitimate complex that anybody in south carolina can use so so when you're figuring out like, okay, where can I do this thing? Uh, recruiting teams, sponsors, like all those kind of go together because they kind of, they all kind of dictate each other because I mean, you could have a competition, but then if there's not, you know, any good players involved and by players, I mean, you know, teams and certain agencies, like nobody's going to really care if it's like a bunch of, I don't know, for lack of a better term, like little no name departments in South Carolina but then at the same time you know I don't want to have it at some departments you know behind some department where right. you you know where there's like just a football size field area to to do something so there's kind of a balance of hey you want this somewhere badass getting the right teams is badass uh you know and then the logistics behind it you know you always want to um, you know, give, give other teams more competitors more where they're just like, Oh, well, at this comp, we get X, Y, and Z. We don't have to pay for X, Y, and Z. And a lot of that, uh, you know, comes from getting good sponsorships too. So just kind of hit on however you want to attack all four of those. Yeah. I think they'll go together, but I don't, we didn't really talk about how, um, those kind of all melted together. No, that's good. So to me, it was, uh, it was pretty easy for uh, the venue. I knew I wanted the sawmill because it had every aspect. I mean, that's a that's a premier training facility. Uh, the crew there is jam up, and uh, I couldn't have done it without the uh, the guys. So, uh, Steve Brown being the owner, uh, you got SF Matt and uh, Pilot Matt, both awesome dudes. That's the uh, director of operations, director of training. Yep. But um, yeah, for for everything that they offered there, there there wasn't a better place. I wanted a uh, I wanted somewhere where they could do a run, uh, an obstacle course. Um, a place where you could have a long range for uh, for shooting, and you know we we talked about it before, but their long range is a uh, is amazing. It's a fourteen fourteen hundred uh, yard long sniper range, you know, almost a mile, where that's one of the longest around. Uh, I know that the Clinton Plantation has a long range, but they just don't have the other facilities. Uh, right. They have a they have a tower where you can rappel in, so that was one of our things. Mm-hmm. Um, they have multiple outdoor ranges. They have that Connex superstructure that we talked about where you could repel off it or you could run the inside for CQB. Yep. They had the, the force-on-force training area where you could do the simunition uh, inside and have the hostage rescue, which led into the uh, best medic portion. Yep. Uh, the pre- pre- precision shooting ranges where we had range one and two where we did uh, the stress shoot, and then we did the nine-hole board at the VTAC. So it had everything that we needed to make a good competition. And, uh, that, that facility still blows my mind. It's got that log cabin that has dorm mm-hmm. rooms in it, yep. which, uh, four bunk beds in each room. It, it was awesome. It has the kitchen, the bar. 
It was just to me, it was hands down. That was the only place we wanted to truly have it. Yeah. Um, and then how'd you go about, I mean, it's almost like recruiting teams and sponsorships. It's like, it just kind of like, we are all a part of the, I don't know, what do we want to call it? Like a, like a tactical ecosystem where everybody knows a little bit of somebody somewhere, somebody, somebody, you know, has a company that trains somebody, you know, is a sales rep for, you know, whoever. Um, if it's, if it's like Harrison that came out, um, Harrison's and, and then I found out that when I saw them, that their VP is somebody that I worked with at another company when I was growing up. Um, and then Small just, the, just the connections after connections after connections, you know, and then I think, I mean, one thing is there's always a, uh, and I'm not from the upstate, but I always know there's some level of competition always between Greenville and Spartanburg, no matter what it is. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's, Oh, well, if those are, if those fuckers are going, we're fucking going like, you know, so, so, I, so the cool thing you said is the, is the networking. I mean, it's a small world in the tactical world and, uh, everybody interlaces somehow. So as you said, Harrison's does a lot of uniform stuff for, uh, multiple SWAT teams. They do, uh, not just t-shirts, but they do all the, uh, the ordering for the, the SWAT shields and the helmets and the gear. Uh-huh. Um, that place is phenomenal, a uh, huge place. It's a uh, Harrison's, uh, workwear. It's in Spartanburg. And I remember it when it was just a little tiny, uh, back in the day, man, little tiny shop, downtown Spartanburg. And yeah. we used to get our fire department gear from there. I mean, that's how small it was. Uh-huh. And I watched this place grow from a small mom and pop store hole in the wall to now a giant facilities, multiple locations, uh, jam up staff. So it's a, uh, it's really, it's yeah. awesome that, uh, they're a part of it. Yeah. Um, the, man getting teams was like pulling teeth uh the you know trying to reach out and get sponsors was hard pulling teeth uh getting teams was hard the uh the first sponsor that i got was uh, uh bottom line military sales and liberty we did a uh class for them a while back and it was a security side assessment kind of with a uh, security class and they were the first ones that said hey we want we want in we want to we want to sponsor you guys so they gave us a little bit of hope uh, then Harrison's Workwear, um, North American Rescue, they were a huge part. And as you know, they did the, uh, they brought Tom, they brought a huge trailer. They brought yep. uh, four Tom mannequins that they uh, rotated throughout the hostage rescue and the best medic portion. Yeah, which for uh, people who know what those are, kind of explain those. Those are yeah, super complex. Phenomenal. Yeah. So what they are is just pretty much the most realistic mannequin you can get that that has a pulse. That he uh, he bleeds and squirts blood. He. Yeah, it's controlled uh, by an iPad. Like, it's amazing. Yeah, And, I mean, it tells you when pressure is applied, if it's adequate pressure. Yep. If you stop the bleeding, you can wound pack it. You can put a tourniquet on it. You can put a chest seal on it. I mean, it's, they're phenomenal. Yeah. Very, very realistic. And uh, just something like that is a big, uh, big aspect they brought to the to the competition. Yeah, for sure. The, uh, their training team is phenomenal. Their training team goes all over the United States. They go to Vegas. Um, that, that actually their main, one of their main training locations is in Vegas. So even though it's out of Greenville, they fly mm-hmm. there all the time. They conduct training. Yeah. So they ran this, uh, the hostage rescue station. They did, they did amazing. Yeah. Um, they basically had their own stage. They did. So it went yeah. from hostage rescue to the, yeah. uh, best medic portion. Yeah. Which we'll, we'll kind of hit on. That's kind of something we'll bring up at the end where it comes to kind of the, um, just the, 
the smaller nuts and bolts of making that stuff kind of work, like getting sponsorships, giving them certain things, or saying that they're paying for certain things. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm saying, I mean, they actually are, but just like, because a lot of people are, when it comes to sponsorships or even with departments putting money into training, right? Like, like you really got to break down, like, yo, what is this money going towards if I'm writing you a check? Um, and then that's the hard, that was the hard sale for the first year. Nobody heard about it. Nobody knew what it was. So yeah. it was really pitching an idea, telling them, yeah, like some, share, share your vision. Yeah. Like they th- they're thinking it's like some like fake fire festival. <laughs> they're just like, just get some, some ranky thing hole in the wall. I mean, we're going to go outside. We're going to shoot for the swap. Yeah. Team. Yeah. Well, I think, I think we squashed a lot of uh, doubt, I guess. Uh, and the mutts are going to bark. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, we can talk about – we'll get back to more of that on the end, how we'll attack um, recruiting for, for teams and sponsors. Oh, um, amazing. Yeah. Um, and then with the – how did you come up with some of these stages? I know – I mean, there was two we kind of modified so and changed at the right. end. But so what was... you did on the front end, how were you just like – Hey, because so like for the O course, like that fucks some people up. They're just like, oh, we'll just do obstacle course, blah blah blah. And they're like, oh wait, you mean the whole course is three miles, and I got to fight a BJJ black belt in the middle down by the river in the sand? Like what? Like, and that's so, exactly <laughs> helpful, but that's exactly what happened. So yeah, man, in my fucked up head, there's uh, all sorts of great thoughts, and uh, yeah. it was it was two days. Um, pretty much seven distinct events that I wanted SWAT, SWAT teams to focus on. Um, a, a lot of people were like, hey, you know, or I had one person say, hey, you know, why are they running? And I was like, well, because they're a SWAT team. Physical fitness is important. Um, we always preach that you're, you're only as strong as your weakest link, but it's getting that heart rate up, seeing if you have the stamina to, to you know, take your gear, do a run. Is it, you know, are you going to run on a SWAT team? Probably not. But are you gonna, do you need that stamina to make the hit, to keep yep. going? Yeah, and that comes to when we we're when we we're talking on the phone earlier today, talking about you want to train for worst case scenario. So not like Absolutely. a lot of these stages, a lot of these stages, like there were some shorter, uh, you know, fun shorter fun stages where it wasn't a break off, but then there was a couple where it was like you're going to yeah. get your foot pushed in. Like, Absolutely. So there was a little bit of both. So there was some kind of pushback. It's like, oh, well, that's not realistic for a law enforcement officer to be, you know, running a mile to contact and then running a mile back. And it's like, it's, it, yeah. it's about, the, yeah, as you said, it's, it's about like, a yeah, worst case scenario. Yeah. <laughs> and, it's and it's enjoy, enjoy pushing the, the limits. Everybody's like, because we always get so stuck on, oh, well, that's not realistic. But you can't – hey, a, a good thing for North American Rescue is you can't replicate, you know, going on a hit. The adrenaline, uh, how, how, how your heart's racing, how, you're, you know, how people get tunnel vision, you can't recreate that without it really happening. So you do have to do stress shoots. You do have to push people to their limits. You do have to make them where they're exhausted and they have to focus harder. Um, you know, one of the North, uh, North Metro Atlanta guys, uh, the commander of the team, he was like, hey, this is awesome. I enjoyed the run with my team because we were training one day, we were sucking, and then we got an op. He's like, so we had to suck it up. As tired as we were, we had to pull it together and do it. He's like, so that yeah. that relates to this. Yeah. Um, the fight, they loved the pit. The, you know, the pit was the Brazilian jiu-jitsu uh, instructors who were there. 
And every team, I think, raved about that. Uh, Clay Burrell and his team from High Performance Gym were uh, tearing it up with uh, Sean Coates from Revolution Martial Arts, and that was amazing. Mm-hmm. That was a uh, cool aspect to where every law enforcement officer should be uh, should train for BJJ. You never know when you're going to have to have that fight for your life on the ground for your weapon. So yeah. having having that ground combat and having that technique to maybe de-escalate a scene with non-lethal force um, I think every officer for sure needs needs training in uh, oh, yeah. ground every, combat. 100%. And, and that's something we did every, all the time, every Friday, at, you know, back, back in the Army, was we did combatives. Mm-hmm. It's something that you need, you need to do. Yep. Um, <clears throat> no, go ahead. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean, keep going through the stages about, like, how you were, you know, yeah. some of these, you, you, like, had the idea, and then there was even some stuff after the second day where we, like, well, even hell, even on the first day, first we, day, uh, hey, we tweaked like one brewer, my, called, brewer called an audible, and it was the right choice. Yeah, it was uh, put, putting your aces in their places, uh, instructors that know what they're doing. And when uh, originally they were going to carry team weight on that uh, on that run, and Brewer was like, "Hey, we're going to carry team weight through the obstacle. We're going to just make this run, do your fight in the pit, come back, and then do the team weight." Awesome mm-hmm. call. Yeah. Um, so just just little things like that and trusting your instructors to make the right decision. Uh, he, he killed it. I mean, it was something where I didn't question him. It was perfect. Um, thank God he made that choice. Yeah, and that's uh, another another aspect that we'll get to on the end about, uh, like, doing test runs for these events. Yes, yes. Getting, getting out there beforehand. If it's if it's the day before, you know, do a, do a dry run with uh, – you know, with all your, with all your RSOs and anybody that's helping. And, um, I mean, there's really no excuse for like anything like this, not to flow, um, you know, as good as possible and, and have stuff that's realistic, but then not get people hurt because yeah. there's just too many moving parts. There, well, you know, there's too many moving parts and it involves too many smart, experienced people from every, uh, walk of life within like the tactical uh, first responder military world. I mean, there was literally, and there wasn't even a lot. I mean, when you're there, it's like, oh, there's people all over the place, but it was only five teams, bro. Like, yeah, but even just with five teams, I mean, I mean, how many career law enforcement guys were there? How many guys, how many, how many special operations guys were there from all of the branches? Um, people from other states. I mean, there was literally a little bit of everything where there was like no excuse for the, like at least just the lack of ideas. No, it's cool. The, uh, definitely what I got out of it was, uh, we're going to, the, the LPD that we had on the, uh, the night of night one, we're going into the second day. There was zero confusion. Day two was flawless. Um, because we all got together. We had our, uh, our meeting the night before that all instructors got in there. We talked about everything. We changed a couple of the lanes but everybody's on the same page. We had that communication, <laughs> collaboration, coordination between everybody, and it went flawless. So taking that concept and next year, every instructor meeting prior, uh, yes. as you said, doing that dry run before, but there should be zero confusion. Uh, a lot more organization next year. Uh, packets already ready, printed out. That yep. was a problem I ran into on day one was the printer wasn't working. Where You should, you should plan yeah. ahead. Yeah, pl- plan for yeah. problems. Murphy's yeah. Law. Yeah, for sure. Um. Yeah, because I remember after that day one, we had that hot walk. I was like, oh, this is cool. We'll do this. And I was wanting to record that night. 
and then we ended up in hot wash for like yeah, for like two hours. I was Work like, was done. Uh, yeah, I mean it was it was, um, yeah, it was definitely done. And uh, but I mean definitely it was awesome because, um, because Steve and Matt were in there helping us too. I mean, yeah. and, they, and they do that with everybody just because they love this shit. They love training Dude. with everybody. I mean, yeah. there's sometimes it's local law enforcement. Sometimes we get branch out from other states. Sometimes they have some very um elite teams out there that we can't really go into but like yeah. they they cover the spread when it comes to the type of operators that go out there and i, I can't i can't thank steve enough for believing in me and uh just just kind of helping me with that dream I, I couldn't have done it without him and he's he's so laid back and so chill but he he's a plethora of knowledge yeah, it, it's kind of weird because like now he's like I kind of see him as like an older kind of hippie, <laughs> but he know he knows how to get good people, and he's he's changed with the personnel at that facility. You know, mm-hmm. he had to make decisions like that in his you know in his past life, um, doing some high speed stuff in the army. Um, so oh, now yeah. he's just, he's just like I don't know, he's like fucking Gandalf, like he's just Love that. Dude. Yeah, dude, he's just he's like. I don't use this word a lot, but like wise, like Steve is just a wise dude. Yeah. Like with business, with tactics, you know, with what he did with that place. Um, and he was, cause I mean, there's some people who like, Oh, we gave you this facility fucking figure it out. Like that's not, that's not Steve. And that's not the crew that he has in there now either. Uh, super easy to work with too. Uh, you know, just going around and he, he busts his ass there. So going around with him driving in the truck, he helped me, you know, set up everything. He was never, Never like, oh, well, that's not my job. He was always jumping in there, always willing to work, always willing to help. And he, and he loves it. That, that's what he loves to do. Yeah. The uh, other things that we did kind of uh, on events was the, uh, the team repel. So that's another one where every team doesn't repel. And that's, a, that's actually a big, uh, a big topic for SWAT teams is, hey, should we repel? Should we not? When's the last time repelling was actually used in operation? Yeah. But it boils down to it's, it's one of those – distinct events where if you're a SWAT team you should know how to repel are you going to repel most likely not but it's one of those tasks where think about your biggest rescue teams where you train for something because it's another tool in the toolbox you may not do it but you at least want to know how yeah well and it's one of those things uh like when you're a tiered team um i think that's by the toa standards like to be tiered like you got you got to be able to do that for a certain to get to a certain tier and then there's there's a whole list of things that I'm not familiar with that Brewer right. Brewer or somebody else from uh, from like a tier one tier two agency that, that would be able to explain that way better than us just you know going off the top of our head and looking up some bullshit on the computer. Um, and then that day there was the the breach, uh, the nice. breach, stage, which you that was like your kind of yeah that's my bit, jam yeah my man jam yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, you, you, you'll be able to explain that way because like with me i was like oh one's a fence and, <laughs> and one's a k-12 and one's a ram man it was cool like so go into that a little deeper yeah so breach breaching is important you know it took it took uh 17 years of fire service experience with uh military experience because you know having master breacher in the military but uh combining those two making a beautiful weird baby and uh being able to just breach. If you can't get into the building, you can't complete your mission. So the breacher is one of the most important jobs in any SWAT team. Um, it's something where they need a breacher who is knowledgeable, 
who has all the tools and resources they need. And then there's also a backup breacher and then another backup breacher. So we always talk about having a good pace plan where you have a primary alternate contingency and emergency plan where, Hey, if this fucks up, this is what we're going to do. Um, so breaching once again is overlooked, but once again, I can't stress enough. If you can't get into the building, you can't complete your mission. It's not always just a smash and grab. It's not always, you can't always have a hammer for the solution. Um, Mm -hmm. unfortunately the Ram is the go-to for SWAT teams, but, uh, we want, we want a breacher's alley where you had a variety of doors. You had to work through stuff. You had to use uh, different tools. So the first one was that fence that had a, uh, a large chain around it that you could not cut and then a, uh, a padlock. So easy. Every breacher should have a set of bolt cutters and then people learn fast. Hey, we took every lane, used it as a learning opportunity. So there was a lot of learning involved in the breaching alley. Uh, one of them was don't have small bolt cutters. So um, people with small bolt cutters couldn't, couldn't get the lock. Uh, you definitely need a larger set of bolt cutters. Uh, you could cut the lock, bypass the gate easily. Uh, next one was the outward swinging door, something you see in a commercial building. So once again, it's not every door you come across isn't going to be that bread and butter residential door. That's going to be most of them. And but honestly, that's what people get tied up in and say, Every door we've done so far has been just a easy uh, trailer, easy residential door, which you bashed in. It was easy, but you need to train once again to that hardest stand. You know that hardest stand. You come across a commercial building with an outward swinging door, so they had to use the uh, the halogen, and uh, you could either ram it with a uh, with the ram to set it, or you could use a uh, a sledgehammer as a striking object. But either way, the halogen uh, popped that door. Once they did that, they went up to the uh, the K-12 prop, uh, we had a battery-operated K-12 there, which is which is mind-blowing for most SWAT teams. They still had the old – if they had a K-12, it was still the old gas-powered one. It's loud. It's heavy. Uh, you have to do small engine maintenance on it, which everybody knows always fucks up when you need it. So you have to make sure the spark plugs are good. Make sure it has fuel. How, how often do you crank it? Did you crank it that morning before the op? Um, so when you crank it in the yard, once again, it's loud, and you're going up to your objective. So that battery-operated uh, one, I think every team that came was like, man, when we get back, we're going to order one. Uh, it's lightweight. It's uh, power on demand. You can have the charger inside your Bearcat or team van. So it, it's phenomenal for a SWAT team. And they make a variety of ones. That was a DeWalt, but they make a uh, Steel, a Husqvarna, any, anything you want. They make battery-operated K-12s. Yeah. Uh, biggest thing was getting your RPMs up. Uh, making sure you hit the door and drive it in, let the tool do the work. And they were amazed by how fast it was and how effective it was. So they cut a piece of rebar. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's what I was about to bring up. Yeah, just a piece of rebar on the door. They cut a piece of rebar to bypass that. And that could be anything. That could be cutting into a commercial door to uh, shear off the uh, the bolts that are holding on a security bar. So you'll see little carriage bolts on the opposite side of the door. Um, but you need to know how to get into every door. Uh, the next one was a uh, a ballistic door, which was a shotgun prop. Once again, you take the shotgun, shooting uh, down 45, in 45, shooting the hardware. Uh, that's something that a lot of teams don't get the uh, opportunity or the training to do, but it's easy. And uh, it's a great, great tool to have in the toolbox. Yeah. Biggest thing is, you know, once again, shooting down and in, so you're not ricocheting off the floor. It all goes into the jam. Yep. Um, Moving from there, they went to an inward swinging door, which that's that's the ram. So 
that door is hard. Whooped a lot of asses. Whooped my ass. Um, but it's a, a good door, and that's what you want. You do want a, a difficult door. But uh, for the hostage rescue, we made it a little bit easier. So they got to ram, got to make it effective. Got the hostage rescue later. But uh, it was fun, man. Um, I love breaching. We teach a master breacher course for Valkyrie. And uh, that was actually what got us started was teaching Spartanburg City on a, a breach class. And uh, it was awesome. Yeah, nice. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I'm sorry. It's actually the county. And uh, we, that was the first class we did. They're like, hey, you should, you should start a business. Yeah. No, that's pretty good. Um, all right. So that completes day one. We already talked about we did the little individual hot wash after that, like throw the whiskey out and figure shit out. Um, y'all had to y'all had to stage a lot of stuff overnight. I didn't really partake in most of that, but they yeah, were uh, working. Yeah, yeah. You had to uh, what we do? We had to cut the we had to set up that one or Corey. Corey had to set up yeah. that one. Cor- Corey busted ass, man. Yeah, so we had to get extra, uh, you know, nine hole boards. Which I mean, explain that to people that don't know what that is. So I, I like the nine hole board. It's a VTAC board, but uh, it gives you nine little ports, and it's a uh, transitional shooting on that board where you have to move from one hole to another. Uh, you can either do a single shot or controlled pair, um, mm-hmm. but that gets you to where you're not just at a static range. You're not just shooting. That's easy. So you're actually moving, uh, completing different shots, and that bottom one simulates maybe shooting underneath a car or shooting around a tire, but it gives you different areas for different cover, but it's and the point of that is you're not always going to be shooting, standing up with it on your right shoulder. You, you got to be able to make that transition, make that, uh, make those different shots. Yeah. Uh, they also had to uh, disassemble their weapon, uh, move over, do their uh, pistol, both hands, left hand, right hand. And uh, that just kind of, once again, if, unless you shot with your, uh, with your other hand, it's something that is way different but you need to train with it once again we train for the worst case scenarios um then they went back reassembled their uh their rifle and did the uh, nine hole board but that was a good one you saw people actually uh, miss steel on the uh on the pistol on the nine hole board just because they've never done it right um on that other one uh it was a stress shoot it was awesome uh it was a uh 70 pound sandbag and they had to pick it up they also uh wore a gas mask and they were running back and forth and uh, making making shots. But uh, they shot with their pistol, then transitioned. Or I'm sorry, shot, shot with their rifle first and transitioned to the pistol. But uh, that, that was awesome. That kind of kind of whooped everybody's ass, too. That one was more of – so, I mean, that was definitely, like, the hard stage of the game. But I think I heard more people, uh, like, kind of just bitch about that one being more of a smoke fest than the O course from day one where people were running distance. Which we had more push, we had more pushback on that one than, you know, I call it like the gas max, gas mask, like suicides, like from basketball, where you're just going like quarter court, full court, you know, three quarters court, come back. Like people were bitching about running distance O course opposed to <laughs> the torture test that, and that was, that was, uh, that was Matt's baby. Um, Matt from Sawmill, that was really his baby. He was like, "Oh, let's do this," and we're like, "That fucking sucks." Let's do it. Yeah, no, you got you got to love it. the uh, The cool thing about that was you can't you can't recreate 
the uh, the stress of a firefight without smoking the dog shit out of somebody. Um, so unfortunately, a stress shoot is the only way. We get we get complacent going to the uh, going to the range and just doing your static shooting to qualify. So a lot a lot of agencies are guilty about that. They go to the range, they do a static shoot, they qualify, then they're like, "Hey, man, we're we're good. We did our shooting." Uh, you you need to you need to recreate that uh, that stress shoot. You need to get your heart rate up to where your heart's pounding, your controlled pairs aren't as tight as they they normally are. You have to really focus on uh, taking that second shot in a timely manner and get it back on back on point. So there's a lot of a lot to it, and uh, the only way to recreate that is a stress shoot. Yep. Um, cool. Let's go into the hostage stage. That man, that's awesome. Because I, I I was not there for any of that. I was at the CTB tower, which I mean that was pretty straightforward. I went into detail about that one, but going to the so, hostage stage they put on. So uh, I knew uh, I wanted North American Rescue. I've worked with them a lot in the past, and uh, I knew I wanted them to be part of it, especially for the uh, best medic portion. So I, I seeked out a couple of my friends at North American Rescue, uh, and uh, Brandon Brown. He uh, kind of got me with the training team and the training team was awesome uh once again they they have their shit together they knew what they wanted to do they they do it all the time but they had a full plan i let them run the that lane because that's what they do um i contacted com- uh, combined systems and they got got us flashbangs for the event so their flashbangs are the most realistic ones they have on the market um it's kind of like a training grenade that you have in the army where it's the fuse and you put it on the body the cool thing about the uh, flashbangs with combined systems is that it has ports on the top and bottom. So if somebody accidentally held onto it, it blows out the top and the bottom and won't blow off their hand. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. So at, at 140 decibels, you do want uh, something that is safer. Uh, but either way, awesome flashbangs. Uh, we had those. Um, so we put the breach door in front of it, the, uh, the breach door. Powdersville Fire Department let us use theirs uh, because their their breach door is awesome. It's one of the best breach doors I've ever seen. It's not a, it's not the blue door. It's not the East Coast Solution yellow door. It's not the red door. It's a uh, custom built door from uh, the guys at Powdersville where they kind of used uh, one of the guys, uh, Brad Kuykendall. His dad welded it, so it's a a lot of work was put into it to make it a realistic door. It's a solid core wooden door. Um, metal hinges, metal strike plate, but the most realistic door you can find. It, it bows, it flexes. It's a uh, it's a bitch depending on how many w- pieces of wood you put in. Yeah, but they had to. Is an inward swinging door. We did make it easier for the hostage rescue, but just one uh, one piece. But they had to uh, the breach door once again inward swinging door, mechanical breach. They uh, breached it with a ram, uh, threw in a flashbang, uh, entered and cleared. There was a. Uh, targets in there that have, that they had to eliminate and then there was a live hostage they used simunition rounds and there's a live hostage in there they had to uh, eliminate the shooter without hitting the hostage uh, once they secured the hostage it went into the best medic portion there was a uh, down mannequin that was uh, simulating a teammate and they had to go into uh, stopping the bleed so every everything that you should know on a SWAT team or police even a police officer um, how to how to stop the bleed, which is kind of goes into TECC, which is the military's version of uh, TCCC. But can you put on a tourniquet? Can you pack a wound? Can you put on a chest seal? Uh, can you stabilize your patient? Can you prevent shock by covering the patient? Um, you know, kind of limit that lethal triad and uh, evac the patient. So they had to do a patient move. And it was cool seeing teams step in, seeing the medic uh, put his skills to use. 
Um, a good medic shouldn't be doing everything. It should be uh, kind of getting some teammates around that can help out. So how is his communication? Uh, how can they communicate what they need done, um, complete all the uh, necessary objectives they need to, uh, move them off the X, uh, treat in a secured area? How's their security? Do they have an outer cordon, inner cordon? And what's their movement like? So all of that was graded by North American Rescue. Mm. Yeah, that, that was probably the most, I don't know, intricate stage. It was. There was a lot going on. I would say. Um, and then, let's see, just CQP Tower. I went through that in my episode. I, I mean, it was pretty pretty straightforward. They've got a, you know, that, that, that quad con yeah. super structure. It's got ladders all over the place. So that, um, that dude is the uh, the rain man of uh, the ropes. <laughs> so his name's Sean with Elman Rescue, uh, and he he knows his ropes. So he he was jam up on that. He works with uh, some special operations groups. But he ran that station, uh, made sure everybody's equipment was good. Made sure they were. Uh, he had a thirty minute uh, piece before the competition started, yeah. just making well, sure that talking, hey, you're talking about when we were repelling the day before. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, he was yeah hit on him real quick. We didn't really go into with the repelling part too quick because that's I have no idea. <laughs> yes, no, so that's something where every team should know about. But he uh, he took the time to make sure that every team knew what they were doing. Uh, you use your TTPs, so whether you use an eight or some type of descending device, whatever you do, do you know what you're doing? Uh, he wanted to check out your equipment. Uh, make sure your harnesses were good, whether you used a level one harness or a level two harness. Um, your ropes were good. Uh, tying off your anchors, so went over knots, uh, went over the uh, which anchors he wanted used. So he, he took that time, went over it, made sure everybody had a warm and fuzzy, and then he was on the tower grading them as they went through. Uh, if there's any safety violations, he'd stop and go over stuff. So he, he, he did an awesome job. Yeah, and that was another one of those stages where it kind of, as we saw different teams go through different stages, and I, we already we already kind of had this idea after day one, and then day two we talked about it extensively with a lot of people, where um, where we sold this thing kind of exclusively as a competition, where we should have expanded out to where like, I mean, he had thirty minutes of instruction. Yeah. For every team that came through there before, they don't do that in a fucking competition. No. No, I think the cool part was we allowed blocks, time blocks. Big time blocks. Yeah, so with those time blocks, like the breaching alley, um, they went through as a team, and some were, some were fast. But then they had the rest of that time to talk about it, to talk about uh, breach points, to talk about different, uh, different operators who could uh, do breaching. But we wanted that time to be learning, um, sharing of information, sharing of tactics, techniques, equipment. Uh, we had Stephen Eller there, who's a uh, firefighter, but he's jam up on forceful entry, and he he helped out a lot. He helped run that station, but uh, he has a <laughs> he has a pickup truck full of breaching stuff. He that guy lives for breaching. Um, so he was there. He did an awesome job. But having that opportunity to talk to teams, uh, talk about their TTPs, talk about their equipment things that could make them better, techniques that could make them better. Um, so I think that was a, uh, a crucial part of this competition was it's not just a competition. It's a, it's a learning opportunity. It's a training opportunity. Yeah. All right. Back to the kind of the end of day two. And so the last portion was the, 
the best sniper. Well, well don't don't forget your uh, CQB tower and the sniper tower. I already went through that part. Let's go back. <laughs> the CQB was very very simple. It was in the same uh, kind of quad con superstructure that they did the repelling off of. Um, where we have we had a total of six um, targets in there. Three were shoot. Three were no shoot. Um, strictly time event from the bottom to the top. Uh, there was like one kind of trick target. Um, you know, they'd get deducted um, 30 seconds off of their time or 30 seconds added onto their time. Um, you know, if they shot one that was unarmed, um, we did that with, with blue guns. We had some munitions. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, it was pretty straightforward. I mean, the slowest team was like five something. Um, and then towards the towards the end, I think they went back to, I don't know, I can't remember. Um, and then you had Chester and Greenville went toe-to-toe, and they were in like the 120s and the 130s. So one yeah. minute, seconds, one minute, and like 22, I think, was Greenville's time that they won with. Um, I mean, I let them – I mean, I let them have a lot of free minutes, like how many how many people you want to go with. Um, and then also what we had available for blue guns, which is something we need to look at, um, you know, later where it's like if we have a blue gun stage, you're either and you got to have like enough for everybody's weapons and have like a set amount of, uh, you know, how many how many operators are you going to run this stage with? Um, Because there was some people that ran a full team of nine, and then I think there was one team that only could run it with five. So obviously that would be kind of a – you would think that was a disadvantage, but then Greenville goes in there and runs it with nine and gets the fastest time. So it's like, eh, it's like, is it that much of a – you know, you know, there was – you know, so it was just another one of those things. There was a couple of the stages where it's – got to – and we – this goes back to we're kind of reviewing stuff before we wrap this up, but um, or just rack up, wrap up the comp part, not the like overall hot wash part. But um, it was a lot of those things where it's like you did a stage and you're like, fuck man, we could have tweaked like two things and it could have fucking been better or, you know, making sure the standard is the same for everybody. Just like little stuff like that. That, That's the part about your ARs and your learning and your, uh, you know, what's going to make next year better. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, sniper lane, sniper lane. So, here's a, this is why I was like kind of trying to get to that. So, the sniper lane, and I don't know who all knew this from the comp, but somebody else was winning. Pro- so, everything else was scored. Um, one, I think it was just one and two that switched, or it was like the top three. The best sniper portion. It a different person won after that was factored in. Right. So the uh, I need to push out overall scores. It was kind of a big deal. Yeah, yeah. So the uh, the instructor that I brought in was uh, Clay Carver. We were in a, we served in the five hundred eight together, uh, deployed together. Awesome dude. He was in uh, the scouts or the sniper section. Um, even though they're I say scouts, but they changed their name to recon because in in the army there's a shitty. Yeah, it's not scouts. They're uh, it's an infantry division, not the scout, uh, the scouts. But uh, it's eleven yeah. series, eleven Bravo. Uh, they have a recon platoon. So inside that recon platoon is a sniper section and HHC, 
and they deploy those snipers to each line company uh, during deployment. Either way, um, Clay Carver, jam up dude, eighty uh, second guy. He was uh, on the trail for a while at Fort Benning for uh, a drill sergeant. Then he went into recruiting for special operations, and uh, he's going with special operations. But uh, he's training up for the best sniper competition for the Army, and uh, he's assigned to that. That's his primary duty right now. That's awesome. So, yeah, he was able to come down from Fort Benning. Yeah. Um, his uh, One of his good friends, he's uh, Brandon, who's also a uh, drill sergeant on the trail. He came down with them. He's also a sniper. Uh, they ran that lane. They did a jam-up job. Uh, one of the big things we, we talked about before was most law enforcement talk about the, the rule of the 80, how most of the, most of the engagements in the law enforcement world are within 80, 80 meters or 80 yards. Um, and that's true. But you should always train to, the, to your capabilities. Um, the furthest we went out was 400, uh, 400 yards. And that's something we talked about. We can hit four, you know, four hundred with a uh, with iron sights. Yeah, I mean, four hundred by military <laughs> standards is still. I mean, yeah. that's not even that's not even the max distance you, no. you teach fucking boots. So when you qualify, you should be able to hit a four hundred. Yet, yet there's only two. You know, out of thirty shots, there's only two shots that are three hundred or four hundred meters. So you should be able to hit a four hundred meter target with a with a, with a sniper rifle. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the distances were were short. I mean, it was everywhere from 176 to 190, 200, 252, 353, 365, 386, and 400. Um, were they, they all you, you zero out of 100? Yeah, weren't they all unknown distance too? So they had to they know, were so laser them or do the math. Absolutely. So part of being a sniper is uh, target acquisition. So you need to be able to find a target. So if you, I call out target Romeo, you need to be able to find that target uh, marked with a R. Uh, go ahead and laze it to get that distance. And if you're a good spotter, so every sniper had a spotter. So as you call that time, as you call that target out, they both can search for it. Uh, communication was the biggest failure in that lane. So uh, I'll, I'll brag about Greenville. They had a 90 out of 100. Um, they they killed that's it. They did they, awesome. Well, that's how they won. That's how they won. Um, yeah, but they they did win other lanes. Yeah, uh, yeah. but yeah, that that was the uh, the thing that tipped the scales. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that just good communication. I I sat there and I watched each team, and uh, you got to have that communication between the sniper and the spotter, um, where the spotter's putting them on track. Uh, they're talking to them. They're talking. Hey, go ahead. Second berm, far right target hanging round object you need to be constantly be talking until your sniper zeroes in tell him a distance so he can change his knobs but um you know tell him the wind there's a lot of indicators that you can find uh as a good spotter and you know clay clay took the time to talk to every every sniper about it to hey went in depth about if there's no wind indicators you can use the the mirage um so he he's jam up at what, what he does and he kind of made that lane pretty special um but yeah the you know 400 isn't far uh so a lot of teams took away hey we we need to get better at communication we need to get better at uh having a good range finder um we need to be able to range and lay the distance fast uh relay that to the uh, sniper and what is he using for uh for distance you know does he have a does he have a smart smart cards is he trying to use his phone I always resort to you should have smart cards. You can't you can't rely on your phone or rely on electronics. 
because what, what if your battery's dying and you have a mission? I mean, there's, there's a lot of variables. So you should always have those smart cards tucked in your kit uh, and be ready. So this kind of opens some eyes for snipers. Tell people what a smart card is real quick. Uh, smart. I'm big on smart cards. So lamination, I laminate fucking everything. But uh, you should have smart cards where you can make cards for whatever you do. So whatever your job is, whether, whether you're a medic, whether you're a sniper, you have cards that are cheat sheets that have how, how you zero your weapon, your dope, um, your distances, what you need to change it to. Um, even as a sniper, how often you you go to a range and you uh, zero your weapon. But it needs to have – you need to have smart cards where you can flip to that page and it tells you everything you need. So a good medic, for example, should have smart cards with all his team's roster on there, their blood type, uh, last for their social, but everything to where if something happens, it's like, hey, uh, so-and-so went down. This is their blood type. This is their allergies. Uh you know, this is information that we need to have to what we can push drug-wise. Uh, even cheat sheets on drugs. You know, there's a lot of drug dosages when you get into pharmacology. So a cheat sheet makes your whole life easier. Um, and every every job you can have, you can have your cheat sheets. You know, we teach K9, TECC. Uh, you can have cheat sheets on your dog, the weight, um, dosages for medicine broken. You know, all, all, all medicines based on weight. So especially with canines, you know, what, what is the dosage? What kind of medication do they need? So smart cards for everything. Every, uh, every operator, every law enforcement, every firefighter, EMT, they should all have smart cards, uh, stuff that's laminated inside their gear where they can pull that out. And you're not expected to know everything, but you, you should be able to flip to it and have a good uh, reference. Yeah, a reference for anything you really need help with. So like we said, I mean, that tipped the scales for Greenville and Greenville ultimately ended up winning and i i mean really that's who we assumed that's who i assumed was going to win anyway um i mean there was some of those there was other departments i mean i didn't know anything about north metro i didn't know anything about iredale um well they, they flew through the breach lane um they're the fastest time on the breach lane um they were jam up uh you know i, I reviewed all the video and uh they they flew through it mm-hmm. um they're also uh the fastest time at um, I love the breach lane, uh, their hostage rescue, they did the best, uh, the, their medic got the best medic awarded to them from North American rescue. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'll have to look through the other events, but I think the run there, there were faster teams on the, on the run. And yeah. that's, I think what got them ahead on overall time and, uh, maybe on shooting, but the, uh, overall, I mean, Green, Greenville killed it. They, uh, they, it was a pleasant surprise, but all the teams that showed up were uh, were jam up. I was happy. Um, you know, the five, the five teams that we had there was uh, Spartanburg City. They were the first team to sign up. Uh, they're always loyal to uh, to Valkyrie, and I thank them for that. But they're always always jumping on training, always uh, first to sign up for stuff. Uh, Greenville County signed up, signed up Chester County, Iredell County of North Carolina, and North Metro Atlanta out of Georgia. So it was, it was cool to see those teams compete. Um, we had a lot of teams pull out. We we had 12 teams originally, and uh, everybody had an excuse why they couldn't do it. But uh, those those five teams prevailed for sure. Yeah. Awesome. So that was kind of the end of day two. You know, who ultimately won, some stuff that kind of turned the tables. Um, 
So let's kind of, if you can even break it down this way, I know because we because we think about it, we've been sending stuff to each other almost every day since. Um, so kind of first, like, because we stayed after. Like, how long did we stay after shooting? Never stayed around. Like, what were some forever? Like, what were some some immediate afterthoughts? Um. One of them was definitely we're, next year is going to be bigger and better. So we're going to need a larger staff. We'll need more RSOs. Uh, we talked about the small logistics like day one. Uh, we want station OICs where somebody stays at the, uh, the obstacle course. Somebody stays at each station. But then we want somebody assigned to each team as a uh, more or less a representative. They run with the team. They follow the team to every station. They keep up with their times. And that one person has the overall score sheet for that team. There's no misunderstanding. It's, uh, hey, th- you're assigned to this team. And uh, there, there are liaison, if you would, on how the team's doing all total times. Uh, if they need to talk to us, you at least have that relay. Um, better logistics. The, the organization is going to be clutch next year. And, you know, as I said, I owned up to that. Next year I'll have packets pre-made. There'll be everything's transparent, uh, the grading, the, the timeline, where they go, everything mapped out. Um, two days, you know, we, we talked about maybe switching it up. I know we talked about is, is, is the, uh, are the number of days good? Uh, do we want to switch it to one? Do we want to make it longer? I think two days is perfect. The more I thought about it and broke it down, uh, if you make it longer than two days, you have staffing issues. Uh, you have SWAT teams that are absent from their area where they're worried about coverage um, if something did happen. Um, we do want to add night drills next year where uh, you test nighttime capabilities. So if you have MVGs, night vision goggles, uh, utilizing them, if you don't, you need a white light on your weapon. And do you have white light discipline? So you're walking around the house with a white light like an asshole, or are you switching it on and off and having good good light discipline so they don't know where you are? Um, yeah, but we, we, we talked a lot afterwards, and there was a lot of uh, good ideas from everybody on how we could make it better. And I'm, I'm honestly excited to see next year. It's going to be it's gonna be awesome. And I think just from a – I don't know, an emotional standpoint? Maybe that's the wrong word. But drained. Just, it was, well, drained, but motivated because there's yeah. been some times that I got fucking done with and I'm like, dude, I was like, I'm not fucking doing this again. This, this fucking sucked. This person sucked. <laughs> um, they didn't like any of my ideas. Uh, Brain, you know, the, the, but the, this one, everybody... The overall attitude was amazing. Everybody was fucking like... Yeah motivated afterwards like the competitors the the rso's steve like everybody was like it's like dude this was this was good but yeah we we definitely got something good going on you could feel it the uh yeah overall attitudes were amazing um i was amazed by how you know anytime you have a swat competition the fucking egos are huge you know the ongoing joke is hey check out this bear cat look how many egos you can fit in it um but (laughs) <laughs> Every team left their ego at the door. Everybody yep. was there to learn, to network, to train, to just just fucking get after it, and it, it was awesome. Um, I, I was just blown away by how everybody performed. Um, I can't brag enough about those teams. Yeah. They they came there and they were humble, um, eager to learn, e- eager to train, e- you know, eager to compete. 
and uh, it was exciting. Uh, Matt had some really good ideas. SF Matt had some really good ideas about um, scores on the scoreboard next year, uh, utilizing apps to throw on a big screen TV. So an ongoing score uh, reference, so where you could look on there and see what your standing was. Um, the individual recognition was one of them. So, you know, everybody doesn't get an award, but maybe something special for the best sniper, for the best medic, for the best, uh, for the best team at breaching, you know, the best breacher, just something that kind of, you know, gives you a, a that a boy for being, being yeah. outstanding at your job. Yeah. Um, so those, those were some of the good AER bullets, uh, takeaways that I got. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going um, definitely sponsors, man. Uh, you and I talked about it, but we're going to hit sponsorship hard. We're going to start soon, like start yes. this year uh, within the next month, but start for next year, how we ping a date down. Uh, we start uh, making a new form for sponsorship, and we, we really need to be chasing out sponsors because it takes a lot of money to make this run. Even though it's a not-for-profit event, we want – I mean, you got to think. We got to pay the staff. We got to pay the RSOs. Uh, I think, you know, an RSO who dedicates her time to make this event, we need, we need to pay them. Um, the food, food's expensive. So having two lunches and a, and a catered dinner, uh, we need, we need somebody to sponsor those, uh, water for the event, the trophies and awards, the simunition. I mean, there's a lot of expense. So having sponsorship early, um, once again, could have done this without the sponsorship like Harrison's for the t-shirts, uh, flashbangs. We, we couldn't, uh, get simunition sponsored this year. We had to buy it. So there, there is a lot of expense where, um, you know, hopefully next year we'll have sponsorship for everything and sponsors can reach out and be like, you know what? We want to sponsor the lunch for day one. We want yeah. to sponsor, uh, sponsor the dinner for or the dinner for day one, uh, the yeah. lunch for day two. Yeah. And that can be part of like a, a sponsorship, like yeah. packet breakdown. Um, because I was thinking in the sense of, um, you know, if, if, if a team does like a certain level, right. And then people break it down like different, they'll go like platinum, diamond, it's going down gold, uh, you know, silver, bronze, um, in those can, can be, it's like, if somebody gives you example, if somebody gives you $5,000, that should cover at least that should cover a team's entry fees and really anything that we could give them. So, so, cause, so what's going to be a pushback? What's going to be an expense pushback on a department? They're like, uh, well, we don't have, two, we don't have ammo is a big, yeah. so we don't want to give up, which first of all, um, ammo can be sponsored. Is it going up? Just like everything else is fucking going up like inflation. Holy shit. So, um, getting ammo covered, getting your simunitions covered, not worrying about having, uh, you know, to worry about blue guns. It's like, Hey, we have all, we have blue glocks. We're going to have, you know, six to 10 blue glocks. We're going to have six to 10, uh, you know, blue bolts to put in your ARs. Yeah. Um, and that we want that sponsor too next year where yes. we have that all laid out. Right. The, the entry fee alone is already a deal. If you look at it in oh, compared, it to, in, compared to other, uh, like when you go to a training class, like you're looking at like a minimum, like 200, 300 ahead. And we've all seen classes that are even more expensive than that. We're doing, what was the entry fee per team? Was it 250. 
250. That's cheap as shit, especially that you get t-shirts. That that alone is the t-shirt fee. 250 for a whole team of guys. Like that's a good deal. That is a good deal for the networking and the training you're getting from the other teams that show up, um all the fucking retired SF guys that are going to be there, they're just going to give you just infinite knowledge. Um, yeah, really network training. It, it's it's pfft, like the fee is, is nothing. But, uh, you know, in first response, it's always we're cheap. It's like we need expensive stuff and we need expensive training, but we're cheap. So, yeah, so, so the big thing is wanting to keep it, uh, wanting to keep it at the lowest price for teams. So I know that, uh, there was a big expense for teams for gas, for, uh, for ammo, for getting up there for a lot of, you know, if the agency is paying them to be there versus them taking comp so, time. Right. So for, um, I mean, obviously like comp time gas, like there's not, really a solution for that there's not something that we if you, if you want to be there you're going to be there right so we need to make sure that like with big sponsorships and i've seen people do big sponsorships for um like even more specific stuff like just for sniper cops right like the whole sniper cop is getting like at least 30 grand in cash and at least 30 grand worth of uh prizes so i mean can you imagine that if we had 30 30k worth of stuff to pass out plus 30k cash to you know pay whatever the percentage is uh to sawmill to pay whatever your your two-day set rate per rso is um the the badass lodging yeah yeah yeah, if you got to pay extra for lodging on top of you know whatever the the site you know percentage fee is on top of you know whatever business plans that you would have for you know surplus of money, um, but I mean that's a that's a business thing, not just yeah. a, that's not a comp organization thing. That gets that's like businessman top hat shit that I'm not getting. Did you into. see? Uh, did you see the badass giveaways that uh, bottom line military sales had for us? Was that at the end? I wasn't really paying attention. That, so that was at the end. We had everything laid out on the table. Um, yeah. Originally, they were going to have a, a booth set up, but they had to be in another uh, state. They're opening another uh, location at a, a military installation, so they had to be there. But uh, they had a bunch of iPro, um, tactical door wedges, um, um, what you know, water water purifier. I mean, they had, they had a bunch of stuff that they yeah. uh, gave away so, to winning teams. Yeah. So all of that stuff. That just came from one company. Yeah, imagine a bunch of companies doing that next imagine, year. Imagine, so how many sponsors total did the comp have? I'd say about 10. So 10. Imagine yeah. just if you had double that. Yeah. If you had double that and double the teams, it's twice It's twice as big. Like like that. Like it's, Mo better. Mo better. Like, e- like easily. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of, I don't know, that's kind of what I'm kind of passionate about with this is getting the, getting, getting the right type of sponsorships. It, it, some people, it's like, oh, well, you just want the money and blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, 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 no. You we have, to have, certain, you have yeah. to have a certain value to 
get more teams, and then I gotta find a you have to find a way to to get more teams. It's like, hey, bro, uh, we already have X amount of money in sponsorships. Uh, we can cover, you know, because X company is sponsoring five thousand dollars cash. Say that's gonna cover, you know, whatever we have to do within the comp. But for teams, say that covers entry for however many teams and covers all the ammo. So entry fees, I'm, and I'm pretty sure five grand would cover entry fees and ammo for all five teams that we had there just this year. So, yeah, so. I mean, I didn't really, I'm, I'm saying this off the top of my head. I didn't really break that down before I said it, but just an example. Um, and there's people that'll give five grand on the top of a sponsorship just like five grand some of these companies is in advance it's not that big of a deal and they get their name out there they can possibly get you know some type of contract with one of these uh or it might be people that already have contracts with not necessarily contracts but just like you know harrison's it supplies you know whatever whatever companies like in upstate and in north carolina and wherever wherever they're at um yeah and one thing I uh, who's I, ta- I was talking to somebody about it today, where I brought that up to to well one of our guys that we've had on the podcast that works for Green Greenwood not Greenville Greenwood, um, and he was saying he knows of local companies that would be more than happy to sponsor their whole team to come next year. So yeah, we could any any. Uh, you know, any department, well, anybody that even was here last year or, you know, for 2022, wherever those departments are, you can even look locally for sponsorships. Yeah. You don't, you, you'd, you'd be surprised how many people would sponsor their team to go. Yeah. It's like, oh man, like we love the sheriff's office. We love the police department, blah, blah, blah. And there's a lot of people that may not have explored options with, um, with, there's a lot of places that have like a, like a sheriff's office foundation or it's just like donation, like just through donations through the community. And, you know, if they can sell that to their, you know, local uh, police foundation or sheriff's association, um, it's like, Hey, we just need, you know, a $200, $250 entry cost plus ammo that, I mean, they might already, you know, have, you know, depending on people's budgets and training budgets and all that. You know, we just need a thousand bucks to go to this comp and probably get the best networking and training for the buck. Yeah, um, I, uh, like I think what also helps, what also helps, I don't want to go into too much detail about it, but uh, as we talked about earlier, but, um, you know, this, this competition is accredited and backed up by uh, South Carolina Criminal Justice Academy. So it's not just a, not just a podunk uh, competition, but something that's, uh, recognized by the state, um, they get sixteen well, hours cre- credit hours. There's a lot of stuff like this. Like, yeah. you have you have multiple. Valkyrie has multiple classes that count as training hours. Yes, that are CAP C so, credit, uh, Criminal Justice Academy credits. But yeah, we're I mean, there's, we're, we're like, a credit agency. Yeah, so it's that's a that's just another selling point to departments. It's like, hey, like this isn't just some fucking cool boy shit like this is training hours and there's some people that struggle with training hours like they don't have 
let's say they don't have a strong training department or they don't have the resources to do certain things. And then you're stuck doing, you know, online PowerPoint bullshit from some chief that's been retired for, you know, 20 years that hasn't been policing in the worst environment of all fucking time. And that's what's counting is your training hours. <laughs> what kind of goddamn sense does that make? Say no fucking soup kitchen. Or, yeah, <laughs> yeah, this ain't a soup kitchen. <laughs> yeah, I'm, dude, that's curious. We're gonna we're gonna do we're gonna workshop something with that. With yeah. this, this isn't a soup kitchen. We'll just just hand out information bullshit. Like, bring your ass to this thing. The bank for the buck is already there. Stop making excuses. And we're exploring ways to get all your shit paid for. Like, what other comp does that? There, there's like, absolutely no excuse that a team shouldn't be there. It's an easy, it's an easy fix. It's an easy fix. Like, it, it needs to grow to the point where, like, you have a problem where we're gonna fit all these motherfuckers. Like, because the lodge just with five. I mean, the right. lodge was full. It, like, we could have, mm, we probably could have fit one more team. Like, if everybody was like, hey. So it, uh, Steve, Steve and I talked about that. Uh, we're gonna get transient tents for next year. So we we. We plan on this being bigger next year. Uh, right. We're going to get tents where you can get cots, put them yep. in there, uh, make transient stays. Um, Task Force <laughs> One uh, supplied us with some cots. So, I mean, we had a lot of support with uh, within the state. Um, and then changing the name for next year a little bit. So, I think a lot of teams were uh, were intimidated by competition. So, right. uh, we're going to change the name next year, I think, too. And we're playing around with it. But – uh. Maybe the South Carolina SWAT Challenge. Um, either way, just focus on it being a uh, a learning opportunity and uh, you know something not to miss out on. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I think there was one more thing I wanted to hit on. Here. A, sh- a shout out. A shout out to Nate Reamers with uh, that did the photography. Badass dude. Um, he does all the social media for Sawmill. Talented that's, dude. That's ten. Uh... That's no, 10. no. So uh, Nate Reamers is the photographer. Then there was ten four uh, visuals who did the video, which was phenomenal too. Dude, all the photographers I've seen that come out of this stuff, like they're all they're all jam up. Like jam I, I, up. Not, like every that's the one thing where like I don't know where they're making all these people that do <laughs> all the like photography and videography and all that stuff, but like I don't know. I don't, I, I'm sure they're out there. There's some art nerd out there that sucks at this or whatever, but. <laughs> Everyone that I've seen at these comps or at any of the classes that I've been to, like they're all really good. So Nate's a uh, an Air Force veteran. You know, I give him a little bit of crap for that, but uh, <laughs> jam up, dude. Uh, passionate in what he does. Um, but I call him, you know, my combat photographer. He's he's good at what he does, and yeah. he's uh his his pictures are jam up. But he he's an awesome dude, just on a uh, on a personal level. But uh, it was cool having him there and being a part of it. Yeah, all like all those guys are great that I've ever seen. Um, all right, so you're talking about the the competition aspect of it squaring away or getting not scaring people away. Yeah. Uh, uh, so the <clears throat> the train. All right. So what are some ideas for incorporating? I'm going to put all three of these together. Uh, the workshop training and the camaraderie part's kind of easy because like the the teams will mingle together you know they'll mingle you know after the first day and have a couple brews or the night before the comp and have the a couple gatherings of, like that's not that's not hard that's easy we know how to 
<laughs> we know how to do that. <laughs> like we know how to talk some shit, like drink some beer. Like that's easy. No doubt. So the so the workshop uh, training aspect. What's uh, what's? I mean, I have my kind of ideas for it, but so we're we're in talks with the sawmill right now about making our workshop seminar. That's going to be uh, six months between the competition, but uh, we want to focus a workshop on exclusively training. So it doesn't matter if your whole team can be there. Maybe maybe your agency can only send two operators, but it's going to be an awesome workshop uh, seminar where you can go to the sawmill, you can stay at you know stay at the lodge. It can be maybe an assortment of days, so maybe you can only hit one day, but or maybe you can hit two days, but it's going to be spread out to where there's a, a bunch of days, maybe five in a row, where, hey, come down. If you can stay the whole time, cool. If you can only stay one or two days, cool. But we can get a bunch of teams in there. We can focus on every event on more detail. So breaching, in, you know, breaching into theory and natural uh, practicality of going through doors and different props. We can do more rappelling, more uh, sniper stations, more uh, hostage negotiation, um, CQB, best medic. So we can really focus on breaking down stuff, um, bringing in speakers. Uh, we have one that's a uh, retired FBI SWAT negotiator. He wrote a book. So we have a lot of people, a lot of networking. We can bring a lot of people in, have a, a bunch of different instructors. But that's going to be uh, something that we host at the sawmill. And that's going to be six months in between the competition. But okay. uh, definitely look out for that. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I still liked um, – I still liked kind of the workshop time after an event. Yes. Yeah. I mean, because the way we had it was – I mean, example for mine, uh, the CQB tower where they ran through it, shoot, no shoot scenario. You're against the clock. Uh, like I said, if, and with these comps, there's always, the time is never perfect. Somebody's slow. Somebody runs really, really slow. Somebody's going to go really, really fast. Somebody's going to get hurt. There's going to be a gear failure. Um, there's always something that's going to throw the time off yeah. no matter what the fuck you do. So it's like, Oh, we we're supposed to start 15 minutes ago. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, bitch, you're in you're in first response. Like, when does anything go to plan? Like, so luckily, we, we stayed pretty close to the timeline, which was amazing. But uh, yeah, I think yeah, having so, those big those big blocks really worked. Yes, because with mine, it's like, okay, if you get there on time, you know, uh, you get all your gear. I give you a rundown that might take fifteen minutes, um, and then you run through the course. Like I said, the fastest team was like a minute and 22 seconds. The slowest yep. team was, I think, right at five or right after five. They were like 530 with a penalty. Um, okay, so even the slowest fucking team only used 20 minutes out of its hour. So you still have <laughs> 40 minutes to, yeah. if you want to, you know. Talk maybe about tactics, can, movement. Maybe yeah. you didn't work with your whole team. Maybe you had some cadre there that had some questions. Hey, boss, we've never run into this. What do you think? Um, there was a team that came across. Well, I think it was the first. I think it was Ardell. Um, really smooth and methodical with their stuff, but just they were slow on the clock. Um, they weren't bad. They were just slow on the clock. And they, they. Um, I'm not talking shit about them. I'm just telling. I'm just telling you what happened. But they came across. They chose one direction in there and didn't want to go back and they decided to go up a ladder well they have never trained to go up a ladder in a cqb scenario yeah so 
I mean, if I had never done that and I saw a ladder and I'm like, and I know there's a staircase on the way, I'm like, fuck this. We're going for time. We're going, you know, we're doing this to win, not to explore all avenues. That's not what this is right now. Fucking turn around go the way that you know. And then I, I had already told him, I was like, hey, how much time you got left? You get to fucking party in this thing as long as you want. Yeah. And people practice going, you know, back down, you know, coming up opposite side of the structure. Um, people even work with, you know, transitioning weapons. Like, hey, if you go Winchester, you got to go to your secondary. Like, there was all kind of stuff. So I think kind of that it's like, hey, however fast you do this, if it's, you know, a type of stage where you can practice, talk about it whatever like we're gonna do that that was the cool thing about the rappelling too was hey uh go for time for the competition portion but after the two uh, operators hit the ground your time stops then you can go into other operators rappelling you can try different stuff you can try different techniques uh if somebody's never had the chance to be on rope you can put them on rope uh that's the cool part about having those large blocks for uh teams to take the opportunity to train yeah no i and that was actually kind of like a, a, I don't know, unexpected part of the comp that I ended up liking a lot. So in in my head, I knew that was going to happen. I just, uh, I guess, I didn't push that out enough. Yeah, I mean, I well, and with me, I just, I just didn't even fucking think about it. I was like, well, I'm just going, I'm just going to show up and do what Thomas tells me to do. Like that's that's like, <laughs> I might record an episode or two. Like I was really just like, oh, whatever. Um, but hey, dude, damn thankful you were there. You definitely uh, helped out a lot. You being there was a big part, uh, running that lane. Um, and just ev- everything that Valkyrie does, you and Carolina Tactics is always right there beside us. Uh, I can't thank you enough for that, dude. Oh, that's no problem, man. Um, anything else you want to wrap up on possibly stuff to look out for next year but not giving too much shit away? So next year I said we're going to uh, bring the night fire in. So uh, – you know, we know that every team doesn't have MVGs, but part of our uh, part of our event helps you get ammo to bring back to your department to be like, hey, this is what we need. A lot of a lot of agencies went back and were like, hey, we need a battery operated K12 saw. We need a better breaching kit. We need a better Halligan. Uh, we need a better Ram. Um, we need to go to a uh, a range and do more different types of shooting we need to practice more cqb we need better rope stuff for repelling uh, we need to train on repelling more so every event that you do gives you an opportunity to go back to your department and ask for more stuff and actually have justification and maybe even the specs on it so we can give you the uh, the nsn number for the for the piece of equipment you should order um clay carver you know the sniper he said the best you know this this is opportunity to go back and be like, Hey, we need a better range finder. Uh, this is a good one on the market. Um, and I can't talk to, I can't talk enough about that guy. He, he was jam up. He was excited to come down from Benning or come up from Benning. But, uh, I, I can't talk enough about him. He's, he's a good dude, definitely a brother. And him being from the 508 was, uh, was extra special. Yeah. And all those, there's like a certain personality of, uh, of a sniper that's just there's there's weird dudes but they're good dudes <laughs> for sure yeah everybody's got their level of weird just how like medics they have a level of weird like Corey's weird as fuck but he's a boy <laughs> hey, that's doc yeah all, all medics have, all medics yeah. are you know special yeah but you never fuck with doc no, 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 no. 
if you fuck with Doc, you're going to get fucked with. Absolutely. That was right. good, man. Any closing statements from Mr. Tony? Biggest thing is if you weren't there, uh, instead of finding a reason not to be there, find a reason to be there. Um, yeah. sell, sell your team. Uh, Clay, Clay said it the best. You have to be an advocate for what you do. So just like snipers are the, the redhead stepchild of their teams, you have to be an advocate of what you do. So you have to sell yourself, sell your team, explain why your team should be there. Um, you, you need to be an advocate for your team. So, hey, we need to be at this best SWAT competition because there's a training opportunity we shouldn't miss. Um, so it's, it, it, all, it all falls down on how, how you sell your team. Yeah. Um, and that's the same way that you, you know, deploy your team. You know, how, how do you get on scene? to a situation be like, Hey, we need, we need, we need SWAT. We need to, we need to deploy. We need to utilize what we have. So you need to be able to, to speak with different people and explain why you should be there. Yeah. Uh, one last thing that just popped up in my mind. Have you had other teams and companies, uh, approach you after? Yeah, so uh, a couple of great companies. Um, we're just like, we're like, oh shit, y'all fucking did this. So I can't talk enough about uh, controlled chaos tactics. That dude's awesome. Um, yeah, Paul. prior yeah. SF guy. Yep, Paul's he, a badass. Yeah, awesome dude, uh, Paul. Badass dude. Um, you know, he approached us and was like, "Hey, I want to be more involved next year." He was there supporting us. Uh, he teaches a bunch of teams, you know, he instructs a bunch of teams and works with them. Uh, I think he worked at Chester County. He was there with them. Yep. Um, also works with, uh, Kershaw County, I believe. Right. Yep. So he, he does a lot, uh, a plethora of knowledge. Once again, SF operator dude, uh, <laughs> knows this stuff. He wants to be a part of it. So absolutely. Yeah. Um, no, he so teaches, those... yeah, he teaches a lot of people like in this corner of the state. So he's worked with, Lancaster, Kershaw, Sumter, Florence, Chester, you know, kind of the, I kind of explain it as it's kind of like that, that odd corner where it's like not really the PD in the beach, but then it's not Columbia and it's not Charlotte. It's kind of, kind of, you know, along 20, everything to the east of 77, you know, all the way up to the border um, with North Carolina. Um, and he teaches all of them. And if he was fucking down for it and, and I know I talked to him about it where I was like, bro, everybody you teach, if you just push this in, in yeah. some form, I mean, not wanting to get in anybody's business and how they run their business, but just even if you just tell, you know, these teams, it's like, hey, I'm teaching you all this shit. You're paying all this money to do this shit. Let's go to this competition and fucking put it to the test, you know, outside of obviously, you know, for call outs, but. Um, by call outs, I mean like where, you know, your SRT, your SWAT team is going to deploy. But, um, even if he just pushed that to everybody just as a professional courtesy, I mean, he works with, he works with more teams than we had at the cop. So even if you got a couple of them, those were besides Chester, all those teams are all those, uh, agencies. I just said, none of them were there. Um, so, so, I mean, that's, that's five other teams right there. Yeah. That's double the that's double the comp right there, just with everybody that Paul works with, uh, with controlled chaos. And then, and then you got your big ones that I think will be there next year for sure. Uh, I, I look forward to Rich, Richland County being there. Got to get um, Richland there because every, everybody knows that's 
I think they go back and forth with Charleston, like who's like the yeah. biggest. Yeah. Um, you know. So those are big, two teams yeah. that should be there next year for sure: Charleston, Horry County, city, uh, Richmond, city and county, um, uh, Spartanburg County, yeah, Greenville get, City. I know Anderson has a great team. Greenwood has a great team. We're uh, in Lawrence County. Yeah, you're in Lawrence County. Like, where was I? Didn't see a Lawrence County deputy the whole time I was up there. Like, what's up with that? So it's your backwoods, man. So uh, you know, I'm not gonna talk shit about any teams. I know there were legit excuses, like, hey, you know, we're low on manpower. Hey, uh, you know, we and but next year, instead of finding an excuse not to be there, you have plenty of time to plan. Find an excuse to be there. Yeah, and and like I already said, like we're literally finding ways to. Hey. Sponsor everything that they have problems with. It's like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna find a way to cover your entry costs. We're gonna find a way to pay for your ammo. We're gonna find a way to pay for your ammunition. You're already getting square meals. You're not yeah. gonna have to pay for. You're not gonna have to pay for uh, lodging. Like, it's an accredited event. It counts as 16 training hours to your yearly. And just you know, look into your look into your officer survival. I mean. You know, that's something we push we push a lot in our company is officer survival, but you're getting your combatives lane, so hand to hand combat or combatives, you're getting your medical lane, so uh doing medical treatment on you know, on the X, uh, pistol shooting, carbine shooting. I mean there's so much so many aspects. We want to talk about officer survival and you know, kind of increasing your chance of survival. That's it. Yeah. Well and there's so many <sighs> There's so many um, scenarios, classes, stuff they push to the academy, um, you know, just your standard procedures for, um, for, for traffic stops and where, even where you stop people, like officer safety is always your number one. Yeah. So how is sitting on your ass or, you know, getting training on a computer how is that helping your officer safety compared to this? Check the box. Because, and another thing, there's most of people on SWAT are instructors at their department for stuff. So if you're instructors, and technically who your best high-speed guys in your department should be are the ones that are on SRT. I mean, just for common sense, those are the ones that are training other people at your department. Because most most training guys are involved uh, in SWAT or vice versa. I mean, it's it's just fucking. I don't know. It's just making everything better. All boats rise, you know. That kind of stuff. It all makes sense to me, but it's all about selling it to people that just aren't as motivated or just don't see the picture and just painting the picture for them. Yeah, so I'm excited. Next year is going to be bigger, better, and uh, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. The uh, we, you know, one one more shout out to uh, yeah. to sit rep. They uh, it's S T R E P. It's a uh, static rope systems, and what they do is you know they they sponsored a whole box for us. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't get a, a large part to to show show their uh, product, but we are uh, featuring them next week. So showing their product fully, uh, taking some awesome pictures, but just a static rope protection. So if you go over an edge. Uh, they have some awesome equipment that they uh, they sent us, so we are we are still going to feature it. Unfortunately, we didn't get a good feature during the SWAT competition due to uh, just lack of lack of manpower. Yeah. But um, 
that was a awesome vendor that unfortunately didn't get out there, but we'll, we're going to make sure that they get a, uh, a good photo shoot and just show, show their equipment because it's awesome. If you go over an edge, they have actually edge protection mats, uh, protection to go around the rope. So it's, uh, it's definitely needed. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. <sighs> well, I'm tired now. I think we talked it all out. Had, had a bunch of bourbon. All the ups and downs of the company. Yeah, man. Well, so with all the companies we uh, we already talked about, just make all, all of these companies, nobody's like, none of us are fucking millionaires. Um, so just always the, the easiest stuff to do, and I say this at the end of every episode, always like, share, review, and subscribe to everything CTG, obviously. obviously. Everything Valkyrie. Uh, everything from Sawmill, everything Obviously. for Controlled Chaos, um, and all the companies we already said, if you would just want to rattle those off real quick, I don't know if you have them in front of you. just to, Yeah. But just Bottom rattle them. Military Sales, Harrison's Workwear, North American Rescue, Combined Systems, uh, TGC, who donated the trophy, uh, Sit Rep, who is the edge protection. Um, I mean, those, those are the big ones where we, we couldn't have done it without them. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, I just, I can't, can't push those enough to where they made the, uh, the competition special. Um, even, uh, rugged suppressors was out there in a tent. Yep. yep they were out there. So yeah, so, they so like, it was, it was cool to see people. Yeah. They like going out to sawmill a lot anyway. They'll find it. They, they, they are loyal to the sawmill. Yes, for sure. All right, guys. Well, till next time. See you, Thomas. See you, brother.